Hello followers, welcome to the Investment Leader Series brought to you by Premium, one of Australia's leading SMA specialist platforms. Today we have uh, Will Riggle here from Rolton. Welcome, Will. Thanks, Damien. It's great to be here. Uh, thank you. And uh, Will has uh, over 15 years experience uh, as a portfolio manager previously with uh, REST, with Wallara and with AMP as well. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, SMA specialist managers and how SMAs are utilised uh, within businesses. I think it's important that we start talking about how Rolton was formed, the, the mm -hmm. formations uh, of it, and uh, what you know some of the interesting things about Rolton and how you've ended up in this space. Sure. So yeah, Rolton was set up uh, essentially as a pure SMA manager, and that's very different from a lot of other funds. Mm which set themselves up to manage more of a, a fund type situation where you have a unit trust at the back end. So what's different and what's a bit special about Rolton is that we have structured our processes, our portfolios, and also the systems that sit behind us purely to manage money um, efficiently within the SMA space. So being around about 12 years, we've had the time to both invest through the cycle, um, but also to understand our clients and, and um, and the end customer a lot better and how we can best optimise their outcomes. Mm. And it's quite visionary, you know, 10 years ago plus, you know, to think about to set up as a specialist yeah. uh, SMA manager uh, through there. And you would have also seen a lot of technological innovations uh, with the platforms that you're dealing yeah. with uh, along the way too. So just uh, let's delve deeper into being a specialist SMA sure. manager. Uh, compared to uh, those who are running Unitrust as well. Mm -hmm. So how have you set up differently yep. and what are some of the things going on there? Yeah. I guess it comes down to our, the way we set up our portfolios yep. uh, and the way that we um, execute in the market and then the way we communicate with clients at the end. So if I talk about the, about the portfolio specifically, we have three discrete portfolios that, that are available on premium uh, platform including a large cap concentrated more of a dividend focused um, yield growing fund and then an X50. Um, the important thing for all is to understand the platform specifically mm. and how how we interact with them, how they interact with the market. Trading through a platform is very different to trading through um, through on behalf of a unit trust. You can f essentially pick those pockets of um, volume through the day. Essentially when we put our changes into the platform, um, it's the platform's responsibility then to trade those. So that's the specific knowledge about that is very important. Um, so from a portfolio sense, what we try and do is create concentrated portfolios with minimum size positions that are large enough. And there's a lot of benefits for that at the end client. Yeah, and then we move to systems. It's around monitoring the platforms, but also how do we efficiently put the trades into the platforms? And then finally, um, I guess the, the benefits of SM, SMA really are that end client experience. And so we're looking to optimise how we communicate with the clients and we call it T0. So essentially having that transparency piece, not only at the portfolio level, but being able to put that information in the hands of the end client and advisor as yeah. soon as possible. Yeah, and I've seen, obviously, uh, following you guys for many years and seeing the trading behaviour that does occur. Mm. And, uh, you know, you do talk about concentrated positions and, you know, trading those blocks. Talk us through trading swiftly. Yeah. And, you know, and you, you touched on T0 as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and the importance of why that, you know, is quite specific to, to SMA management versus, you know, uh, pool trusts. Yeah. 
I think it's a it's quite an important distinction here. So if you think about how how portfolios are structured, there's there's a real difference between trading for a unit trust and trading for an SMA. Yeah. And but I guess um, what we're trying to do is. Um, remove that conflict between the unit trust and the SMA. So when you're trading, um, when some of our peers, we understand, have a preference. You can't usually trade the unit trust at the same time as the SMA because you will push too much volume into the market um, and essentially start impacting the price and that leads to uh, an inefficient cost outcome for the end client as the, the price moves throughout the day. So removing that conflict means that we can essentially construct our portfolios that will not impact the market and we were able to trade swiftly. So the importance of trading swiftly, yeah. as we call it, is um, is that you we're trying to remove that slippage. And in the way that you notice that slippage is in two ways. If you have our model portfolio versus the portfolio that the end client has on the platform, when you're trading throughout the day, there's volatility in the price and you can end up with a, a different position sizing. On a secondary point is that come the end of the month, we can, you can quite often see differences in the actual port performance outcome. So if, if the fund manager is reporting off a unit trust, their end result can be quite different to what you see from SMA. So yeah. that is, it, it, one of the words that's used for that is tracking error, not yeah. the actual tracking error of the positioning of the portfolio, but it's that difference between that model, direct model portfolio and what the outcome is for the end client. Yeah, both on holding and performance. Yeah, you correct. Know, it does show up. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so if I could just add one more point on that, mm. I guess the, I guess what we're also trying to do, well, that, having that, that lack, we're not having that conflict, what it enables us to do is communicate swiftly with our advisor and then they can use that to communicate to the end client. So really we, we haven't quite got to the, the pure benefits, but the benefits are take, giving that time back to the advisor and giving the information in their hands, then they, then they can have an in-depth and important conversation with their end client around the changes that are happening in their portfolio. Mm. And it's an interesting point because it, it doesn't, that, that behaviour, it's almost quite cultural in a sense where you might have other groups that will chip away at trades yeah. over the course of a couple of weeks. But I think you're, you know, you're trading more concentrated blocks and that gives you the ability to also communicate quite effectively, we've bought this, yeah. we've sold that. Correct. So um, no, I think it's a, it's a very important part with your engagement uh, with, with users anyway. Yeah. yeah. Now that's a really important part and something that we feel not only differentiates us, but it enables us to add that extra bit of value over and above, you know, the, the construction of optimised portfolios that will deliver alpha. So um, yeah, if we can communicate and get those that information with the end client. So we, you talked about uh, Rolton, you know, we have five people in the t in the team. We've we built that up um, over the last couple of years, and so the importance of that is we've got the research um, power within the within the team to provide the conviction behind those convicted positions. Mm -hmm. And so, larger positions mean we've got less but more high conviction stories to tell. So compared to perhaps, um, you know, I've done in the past managing unit trusts, you're trying to manage the impact of your um, trades buying and selling in the market and you're trading at much smaller blocks. So at the end of the month, that provides a great higher cost in post if you're trading, if you've got a cost per trade. Mm. So our trades are much larger in size, but less of them yeah. compared to what you'd normally see in, uh, from other fund managers. That's an interesting uh, thing and we haven't probably delved into that too much, but um, you know, even 
you talk about unitrust or full vehicles and the impact of trading costs, but a lot of those groups are trading at two, three basis points, yep. and that's still impactful, let alone, you know, you have some platforms that are tra trading multiples of that there, that could be 10, 20 uh, basis points worth of cost. So that is something that would really show up then mm. on uh, incline um, returns. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you, you need to be set up for that and be mindful of uh, the incline. So it's, it's a very interesting point. Um, Structurally now, so we've talked about how you're set up. Let's talk about uh, how you know clients, advisors are utilising the SMAs, yeah. and you know, so your learnings of for Rolton over the years. How, how are you seeing? Well, what are the typical users, and uh, how are they being uh, integrated within businesses? Yeah, so we're seeing. I mean, what was interesting from the report the premium recently put together was the growth that you're seeing in that SMA. Um, product. So what we're seeing is that the benefits around um, transferring holdings from original um, underlying share yeah. shareholdings from a from a client perspective, the tax efficiency that that brings. You know there is a difference when you're bringing in a, a current holding. You actually, and if you're putting into a pooled unit trust, you essentially have to sell it, creating a um, capital gains capital gains liability. With an SMA structure, you can actually bring that stock into the SMA portfolio. So significantly more control uh, that the advisor can have and how to manage those transitions. Um, they're really using it to optimise, you know, as we've got a transition of wealth from, um, you know, the baby boomers are, are kind of retiring now, moving to that, that pension phase. We've also got money moving from some of those baby boomers to intergenerational. That transfer of money is really important. Mm. So we're seeing that tax efficiency is a key piece and that's also driving the change there. But more than anything, we're seeing the advisor move to more of a uh, kind of an engagement uh, uh, advisory role uh, within their practice. You know, they're really understanding the benefits that an SMA can bring to scaling up your business. So, I think um, using your report, you know, twelve. Well, I see what the number is around twelve and a half hours per week given back to the advisor if they're using an SMA to then go and engage at those high level strategic sense. So we're really seeing you know, a, a change in the industry as compliance and these kind of regulatory issues take away time from the advisor. They're, they want a way to get that back and SMA is, a, SMA is an efficient way to do that. Mm. And also you would see then a probably consistency of investment approach as well where you would have those advisors that were doing some stock picking around yeah. and then you'd have these portfolios kind of very, very different and all over the place and then they can have the far more articulated investment experience, a consistent investment experience yeah. for, for the clients that are yeah. going through. So that's, um, you, you bang on, Damien, it's about, you know, we've talked about you know, cost, but it's it getting the all the benefits of a pooled fund, while the uh, so that access to professional management, consistency of uh, process that's been um, that's been shown to add value through time, um, whether it's you're, you're investing value or growth, or, or you're somewhere in the middle, but the consistency around that, which enables a much more clear and consistent communication around the stocks and how the portfolio will perform in different parts of the cycle. Mm. And you know, so you're able to, you know, minimise the fear around, you know, certain turning points when there's capital loss. It's around, well, history will show with this type of manager, you know, you, you will you're better off to stay in the market and that's the key thing. A lot of money is lost when you when you're most fearful at the bottom of the cycle yeah. and then, then again it's hard for that advisor and the client to again move in. Mm. And that's, it's an interesting point. It's kind of leaning on to you know, one of the other 
you know, benefits of, of the structure being transparency. Yeah. And th there's a case to be made that uh, the more that someone understands and sees, and especially at those inflection points at those mm. very tough times, the ability to look through the portfolio and go, hey, you've got quality names in here, yeah. you know? It kind of takes away some of the fear and having that better engagement uh, going on mm. with uh, especially those very uh, tough times. Yeah. Um, that w with that there, you know, with the transparency, is there any downside to the, uh, the transparency piece? Well, we, it's more of a philosophy, really. I mean, speaking to my, my peers out there, there is hesitance to, to be able to be that transparent. Mm. So, so it's around, so when so we- peers as fund managers? Other fund managers, yeah. yeah, yeah because yeah. you look at things like, if, if you're trading over a 10 day period and you've been transparent about the trades you made, yeah, you, yeah. you can see them in the platform when we've made the changes, then the question is, well, ha you know, that information is out in the market before I've been able to completely trade my position, therefore we're going back to portfolio construction where it's um, smaller number of positions, understanding liquidity impacts, so you're probably more, you don't really going really small, you'd be probably, we have limits around the market cap and liquidity that we can manage the portfolio in. So it's more of a, a philosophy and it's something that it, we think rather than being a negative, it's actually a positive and, a, and it's a philosophy in the way that we manage our investments, that transparency is a significant part of our service offering and the value yeah. add to that incline. Yeah. Um, and, and again, if we go back to that discrepancy, if you do have two conflicting, you have an SMA, which is traded on a platform and a unit trust, they will trade in different liquidity pools over different time yeah. periods, and then that's incrementally harder to manage. So when we talk about T0, you know, as soon as we, we, our, we our best endeavours are trying to get that information to the incline as quickly as possible. So the other day, you know, we're buying, um, you know, a million BHP shares. We've put it into the platform. If we've traded it by the end of the day, we'll get that communication straight out um, to the advisor, which then they can communicate with the client. So again, transparency equals confidence and, and a high level of service. Yeah, it does. No, no, it's a very good. And we, you, you did touch on uh, some research that we uh, did put out uh, in the market uh, not long ago, the report called The Real Truth About uh, Managed mm. Accounts. And uh, what, one of the key things that came out of that one there is that you know, these consistent um, investment approach outsourced uh, to, to specialists as yourself, and what it did, it, you know, allowed more time, which we yeah. all know, but uh, that time was spent by a lot of advisors having still long meetings, but very deep meetings mm. as well too. Um, how, you know, you talked about, you know, the trade notification and so forth. Uh, what other things do you bring to the table to kind of help that investment experience and yeah. deepen the, the relationship? Yeah, so so of course there's the trading component so that so they can understand what stocks they have in the portfolio and why, mm. you know, enabling that, you know, the interest of someone being engaged and able to have that dinner conversation. We then move to um, the end of the month where we provide detailed information around um, not just the trades that we made, um, but also more broadly what happened in the market, what were the key drivers, so we're looking at understanding, you know, kind of the top-down forces, so macro, Trump, tariffs, and then how those risks and those opportunities are reflected in the portfolio. Yeah. Um, so we're looking to provide that high level of detail. Um, what we also then then offer uh, are forums um, where, where yeah, yeah. advisors can, can get in contact with us. We're, we're heavily involved in industry participation, mm. you know, IMAP webinars, things as such as today. And then certainly we, we do have a role 
um, for larger groups within um, you know, uh, informing their investment committees as well about um, how we're thinking about the market and then they can colour that more broadly in their asset allocation. Mm, no, excellent. No, that's good. Um, we'll go just slightly uh, towards uh, some in-depth uh, discussion about markets. Yeah. Um, and you know, you talk. You got a bit of top-down. You know, within yeah. your, within your process as well, which is I think it helps you articulate. You know, also well, what's going on with your portfolio. But um, the, this great uh, point that's been going on at the moment. You know, growth versus value. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's been uh, almost an unprecedented uh, winning streak for growth. Mm. Um, so how do you see this one? Are we towards the end of uh, that growth yeah. uh, winning streak? Uh, yeah, it's been a fascinating period. And, you yeah. know, as a value manager ourselves, you know, it's about um, really understanding why value is underperformed in the current period. So if you look at the last five years, there's only been one year where value has actually outperformed. So, I mean, and there's a lot more information coming out at the moment. So inherent in our process, as you say, is a bit of a, a top-down view. We want to understand the world and how that f um, feeds into our view of key drivers for our stocks and sectors. But underlying all that is that discipline around value. So for us, we are um, strong believers that value does perform through the cycle. Having man managed money for 12 years, we're allowed to have that conviction and having all portfolios that we manage um, still with strong alpha. Um, but what's been really interesting in the last couple of years. So you've had value underperform um, significantly in the last two years, but what's also more interesting is that growth has actually underperformed a bit in the last period. So um, so firstly, why? Why is value underperforming? Broadly it's around we're in a low growth environment. And then that low growth environment, companies that have biased to quality, more sustainable earnings, so that longer duration of earnings, are then um, rated or valued a much higher multiple What's also assisting that is a reflection of that lower growth means mm. we're not getting those animal spirits coming through, so inflation remains very low, which has enabled interest rates to essentially move lower and lower through time. So what are the key indicators of a turning point back to value? So what we're monitoring are um, a return to increased strength in PMIs. They, they remain weak at, at all-time lows at the moment, so that would be a, another positive for growth to continue, yeah. what do you also need? So that's uh, more, and then it becomes more organic growth at the company level. That's that, that right. gets rewarded rather than you know secular kind of growth in a sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. you're looking at the kind of those internal measures. So you're more um, uh, companies such as CSL that kind of have that structural growth behind them. That's a that's a key one that people look to. So we're looking for changes in global growth, and we're looking for. Uh, interest rates potentially bottoming, mm -hmm. but more importantly, we're looking for that uh, that back end of the yield curve to kick up. So there's been a lot of discussion around the inversion of the yield curve. Yeah. What's really interesting is that, um, um, I mean, August in the reporting season period was a significant period where value continued to outperform growth, and then we had a turning point coming through September. So. Without a kick up in growth, what we had was that the expectations of future growth is coming through. And so what drives future growth? That is stimulus and increased liquidity. So what we're seeing now in the market is that um, we are having increased ex expectations that in response to the negative data, and the, that is essentially coming from the tariff uncertainty flowing through to corporate entities and their capex, is that 
lowering, lowering of bond yields, but also the move back to QE is looking like we'll be pushing liquidity back into the market. And so what's really interesting in periods like this before is when the liquidity comes back into the market, you do get those animal spirits. The reason why they're putting that money back in is to get the asset prices up. So we, are, we do feel there's a potential for a turning point soon, and that would firstly flow back into commodities, which have been depressed of late. Look at the oil price, look at nickel, look at copper. Um, um, so we, they would be, and they are purely in that value space, and then you've got the domestic cyclicals, um, such as um, retail, home builders in Australia. Home builders still remain under pressure, but post-reporting season, you're actually seeing some of the rate cuts in Australia flowing through, and you've seen a significant outperformance mm. in those names. Prices coming back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a real, it's a great question. Mm. Are, we, are we at the inflection point? I, I'm firmly a believer that we are a lot closer and everything mean reverts and, and cycles move and there will be a time for value to be back again and, and you know at that time we, we position well to benefit in that yeah. environment. And how much do you think that styles had a, an impact on performance? You know, generally having a look, you know, value versus growth and maybe also some context to the dispersion of value and growth in, yeah. in the Australian market versus other markets yeah. as well too. Um, the, the, I think the, the underlying performance of value managers versus growth managers has been exacerbated by, by style. You've got a real, within the Australian market, there's a real high concentration of growth names and they yeah. happen to be a decent part of the index. So what's really interesting and, and that you talk to is that the dispersion between the most expensive and the cheapest in the market now is at all time highs, higher than pre-GFC. Yeah. When you break it down to Australia versus the rest of the world, um, our, our expensive names, our high growth names, are far are actually um, 20 to 30% more expensive than those similar style names in, say, the US. And why is that? It's just concentration of, of names Ideas. in the Australian space. Yeah, yeah, so the yeah. US market is heavily, you know, has a lot of tech names. So about 30% of the market can be seen as high growth, high quality. But in Australia, we're down to around about six, seven percent. Yeah. Um, so the tech sector has been a key proponent of that. We've had some biotech names move as well. Um, so, but what what did that points to us is that, you know, I guess it's also worth pointing that it's been exacerbated by the quantitative style funds that have moved into the market where they've looked to um, continue to push momentum and quality and so we're having a herding of concentration in the market in those names. Yeah. But if you look through the cycle as we do and we understand where where stocks and sectors should mean revert in certain environments, we're seeing a lot of opportunities there yeah. where we can buy great quality companies at a lower PE than some of these higher, more exacerbated prices which should deliver us value through the cycle. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think uh, we'll, we'll uh, leave it there. That was an excellent uh, discussion there on SMAs and all things uh, Rolton. And uh, thank you very much for coming in. Cheers, Dan. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Cheers.